0: Seattle beats Arizona. They take first place in the NFC West. NFL week 11 continues tomorrow. We have some great games. Titans versus Ravens, Packers versus Colts, Kansas City versus Raiders to name a few. Tottenham beats Manchester City. They take first place in the Premier League. And match day eight continues tomorrow with Liverpool versus Leicester City. Wolves versus Southampton on Monday. It's gonna be a great weekend of sports. My name is Ismael San Juan. This is Hard to Handle Sports. Let's get started. On Thursday Night Football, Arizona versus Seattle for the second time this year. The first game was amazing. Arizona got the victory on overtime. And this time they played in Seattle. And Seattle came out on top. 21-28. Uh, the main storyline from this, from this game was that Seattle's defense is improving. Seattle's pass rush is improving. Seattle... Seattle as a whole is improving. Russell Wilson had a clean game, zero turnovers, and the defense held the high-powered Arizona offense to 21 points. So shout-out to Seattle's defense. They had struggled. They had been under a lot of scrutiny to start the season, and rightfully so. Um, They were the worst passing defense in NFL history for a while. They They were giving up more pass yards per game than any other defense at any time in the NFL, and that was terrible. It put a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson. I think he was... He was forcing throws. He was under a lot of pressure to put up points. And he was getting a lot of turnovers. He was multiple games with multiple turnovers. Very uncharacteristic of Russell Wilson. But now the defense is stepping up. Jamal Adams is back from injury. They traded for Carlos Dunlap. He's helping out, he's helping out their defensive line. They're getting more pressure on quarterbacks. And it really showed yesterday when they sealed the game. On fourth down, Kyler Murray's trying to get, get the offense going, drive down Arizona for the game-time touchdown. And Seattle rushed three, and they, they got to the quarterback. Carlos Dunlap had a one-on-one. He beat the right tackle and sacked Kyler Murray, clinched the game. Uh, great great game for Carlos Dunlap. Great trade for Seattle to get Carlos Dunlap. I think he's changed their offensive, their defensive, their defensive line. He has three and a half sacks in three games. So that's really good. And the Seattle defense as a whole, since giving up 44 points to the Bills, they gave us 23 points to the Rams, and now they give up 21 points to the Cardinals. So they're trending in the right way. It looks like they're uh, they're flipping the page. They're turning the page. So hopefully if, if they're able to just be decent, Seattle will definitely have a chance to make a deep playoff run. And like I said, Russell Wilson had zero turnovers. He had a clean game. Whenever Russell Wilson doesn't turn over the ball, the Seattle Seahawks are a real tough tough team to beat. And uh, Russell Wilson, a fun stat that I learned this week, he has never lost three games in a row. If he would have lost to the Cardinals, it would have been the first time in his whole eight-year career that he would have lost three games in a in a row. But it didn't happen. He keeps that streak alive. Uh, he has never lost three games in a row. But uh, I really like the Seattle Seahawks' offensive game plan. They finished with 165 rushing yards, 182 passing yards. Real balanced attack. For for a lot of the season, they were they were under the slogan of "Let Russ Cook, Let Russ Cook," and he was putting up gaudy numbers. He was the MVP candidate. He was the MVP leader. But you know he ran out of steam, uh, mostly because he, like I said, he was under a lot of pressure to score a lot of points because that defense was terrible. But when you have a bad defense like Seattle does, you gotta help him out. If you're if you're the offense, you gotta help him out. You gotta have long drives. You gotta let them rest on the sideline. You gotta keep the other team's offense on the sideline, not let them get any rhythm going. And 165 rushing yards would do that to you. Carlos Hyde really helped out. 14 carries, 70, 79 yards, one of his better games as a Seattle Seahawk. And uh, Seattle, that really helped Seattle control the time of possession, 35 minutes to 25 minutes by Arizona. And now Seattle, they were able to tough out a great, a good, a good win against a good team. And now they get to the easier part of their schedule. They have Eagles, Giants, Jets, and Washington. They should go 4-0 against those teams. All of those teams are bottom of the barrel teams in the NFL. And I would be surprised if Seattle doesn't go 4-0. By the time they're done with those four games, they should be like 11 and 3 with two games left, and then I believe they close out with uh San Francisco and the Rams. So, maybe by the time these four games are done, they they'll have a uh, the NFC West clinched. The Cardinals play the Patriots, the Rams, the Giants, and the Eagles. So they have a little bit tougher. The Patriots are trending up, and the Rams are, you know, they have the, they have uh they have a chance to get first place if they if they beat the Buccaneers. So we'll see how the Cardinals respond after this loss they're a young team. Uh this is one of those wins that would have really like helped them like build that confidence, like start believing in themselves, start winning these tough games. But unfortunately they weren't able to to get the dub. Uh but they're they're ahead of schedule. This is their second season under their new head coach. This is their second season with Kyle Murray. This is their second season removed from a 3 and 13 season. So I think they're on the right they're on, they're right on schedule. They're trending upwards. Um, one positive from the game is Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons is starting to play good. He's starting to show uh, the talent that he has coming into the NFL draft. A lot of people said that he was a can't miss prospect, and at the beginning of the season, he wasn't getting playing time for some reason. I think the coach said he wasn't ready, but now he's getting playing time. He led the NFL, he led the team in tackles, and he got his first NFL sack. So sa- shout out Isaiah Simmons for you know turning his rookie season around. But there's two concerns that Arizona should have. Or that I would I took away from this is uh, their offensive line. They get they gave up a couple holding calls that really kill their drives. Once you get a holding call and you get in those second and twenties, first first and twenty, it just kills the rhythm of your offense and makes it impossible, almost impossible to maintain long drives. And then they gave up uh, a pressure that led to uh, intentional grounding. And then on the very next play, they get another holding call and it led to a safety. So. Arizona has to really shore sure up that offensive line. They got to protect Kyler Murray. And Patrick Peterson looked like he was getting beat a lot. Last week, he got he got beat by uh, Stephon Diggs on what looked to be the game-winning touchdown before Kyler Murray found Hopkins on that Hail Mary. But Patrick Peterson looked like he's aging a little bit. He's still a pretty good cornerback, but he's getting up there in age. I don't blame him Father times undefeated. He was a great cornerback for a long time. Now he's just a decent cornerback. He's a pretty good cornerback. But if I'm if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I'm I'm starting to look somewhere else. I'm starting to think about the future and see who I could get to be my number one cornerback going forward. And but another positive was that their defense wasn't bad. Uh, they gave up twenty eight points to uh to the Seattle Seahawks. Two of those points were off of safety, and uh, Drake Patrick he had a dumb he had a dumb foul that led to uh Seattle. Um, extending their drive. They had failed on third and five, I believe. They only got three yards. It was going to be fourth and two. And then uh, Drake Kirkpatrick got a taunting on DK Metcalf. And then personally that was basically 15 yards extended of the drive, and they got a touchdown out of it. So if they would have played a little cleaner game, no holding calls, no intentional groundings, no safeties, no tauntings, I think uh, Arizona would have had a-, a better chance to win that game. Obviously, when you give up more than 100 yards, and penalties is is real hard to overcome that, and yeah, ifs 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 everybody could talk about ifs, but I think penalties are one of those th- one of those things that you could correct easier than than some like if it was a tactical thing, if it was oh like, you know our our guys are just not on the right position, penalties is like discipline and discipline. So if Kyle Kingsbury could you know drill that into his into his team, hey, if we just don't get penalties, we'll be right there. We have enough talent to compete against anybody. Then I think uh, they'll be all right. So, shout out to Seattle to their defense for it looks like they're turning their season around, and now they're in firm control of the NFC West, especially with the schedule that they got coming up. And if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, you know don't don't put your head down. It's still it's still be, it's still been it still has the potential to be a great season. I do believe they're going to make the playoffs, and I really love Kyle Murray. He's a great quarterback, and he I think he, he hurt his shoulder in the first quarter. And it was bothering him throughout the game. He said it he said it was fine. And I believe him. I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna keep him out anytime or anything. But that's something to keep an eye out on for. I think it was his left shoulder. Not not his throwing shoulder, but his left shoulder. So we'll see we'll see how uh how that progresses. He does have a longer time to get ready for next week because they did play on Thursday. So I think he should be fine but that's something to keep an eye out an eye out for. But the next game the next game it's a it's a preview for tomorrow. The Baltimore Ravens play the Tennessee Titans. Both teams are 6 and 3. The Baltimore Ravens come in as the 7th seed in the AFC and they just lost to the Patriots on Sunday night football and the Titans lost to the Colts on Thursday night football so they both are coming off primetime losses, primetime game losses. The Titans are the 8 seed in the AFC so they're they're the last they're the, the first team that's left out of the playoffs right now. The playoffs started today. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, there's two teams. There's six teams that are six and three right now in the AFC. It's a logjam in the AFC. Um, the Ravens, I do believe the Ravens are going to stay in the playoffs position. My prediction My prediction right here is that the Titans are not going to make the playoffs. They started off hot. I was believing them. I was believing in Tannehill. It was a feel good story. I was believing in Brable. He, he, I, I like Brable. I still believe in Brable. He, he's one of those coaches that he's finding loopholes on the rules. It's pretty cool. He's smart. He's a smart guy. I like Brabell. Tannehill is a feel-good story. He turned his he turned his career around. He got paid. Good for him. But now I'm starting to lose that faith that I had gained on him. I'm like, eh, is he really the franchise quarterback that we thought he was five weeks into this game, into this season? Maybe not. But the Titans are eight seed, eight seed in the AFC. They were the AFC South division leaders for almost the whole season. They lost to the Colts last week and they gave up the division lead. And I looked at their schedule. They haven't really beat any any impressive teams. They beat the Bears, but the Bears, we know we know what the Bears are. They're not impressive. And uh, they beat the they beat the Bills. the The Bills is basically the only impressive victory that they have on their schedule. Um, the Titans started five and zero, and since then they they have gone one and three. So they're not trending in the right way. And but the Ravens, much like the Titans, they started five and one, and since then they've gone one and two. This is a rematch of the divisional round of last year. If you guys don't remember, the Titans upset the Ravens. Um, In the divisional round, uh, Derrick Henry went for like 100, 194 yards, I believe. He ran all over them. But I don't think that's going to happen again. Uh, Tennessee, I feel like Tennessee is just trending in the wrong direction. They're going to lose again. And they might lose to the Colts next week. And I, I just don't see, I had them in my preseason picks. I actually had the Titans missing the playoffs. People were calling me crazy, especially at the beginning of this season. They're like, oh man, you look like a dumbass. Like, are you seeing how good they're playing? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take that one on the chin. That was my bad. But now with this little hiccup that they're having, they're getting to the tougher part of their schedule and we're starting to figure out who they are. When they started 5-0, and they were averaging 32.8 points per, per game. So even even I was like, whoa, okay, they look really nice. 423.2 yards on offense. And then they lost uh, Taylor Lewan, one of their bookend tackles. He's their left tackle. He's great, great offensive tackle. He tore his ACO against the Texans in that overtime win. And since then, they've just gone down. Offensive line is really important in the NFL. They don't get all the notoriety that all these stars get, but if you have a good offensive line and a good defensive line, you could beat a lot of teams and uh now they lost Taylor Lewan for the season and since they lost him they're only averaging 19.5 points in their last four games they scored zero second half points against the Colts and i think Tannehill has suffered the most he's only thrown for 210 yards 136 yards and 137 yards in the last three games so Tannehill is not trending in the right direction and uh if you look if you compare his stats from last year to this year he was really good last year in play action and in third down. It's one of the main reasons the Titans were really good that season. He was throwing 78% on play action in 2019, and he was throwing 64% on third down, which are really good numbers. Elite numbers is probably what got him paid in the offseason. And then this year, he's only throwing thirty-eight uh, percent, 58% on play action and 54% on third down. Not bad numbers, but not those elite numbers we were seeing last year. Part of that is uh, Taylor Lewan has gone down, so he's been struggling these last few weeks. And part of that is just, you know, more tape. More tape on Tannehill. Teams are able to see what, what he's doing good. The more tape you get on somebody, he, he he hadn't been a starter for a while, so now that teams have tape on him, they're able to see his tendencies, they're able to see what he likes to do on certain downs, and I think uh, it's really getting to him. But the Ravens offense has also been struggling uh they're twelfth in points scored. Last year they were first, so big drop down from last year. And they're twenty second in yards. So their offense has been struggling to really get drives going and they're they're just not the super high powered offense they were last year. Last year they could strike from anywhere in the on the field and this year it looks like they're they're just struggling to move the ball down the field. I don't know if it has to do with uh, their tight end or their wide receivers. I think uh it has to do with the running back their their play action isn't what it used to be. You know, Mark Ingram is not running as as he's been hurt. The run game hasn't been as strong as it was last year. I think that's that's one of the main reasons why they're struggling. And Lamar Jackson has definitely taken a step back from his MVP season. He's nowhere near the MVP quarterback that he was last year. And that has opened the door to a lot of, a lot of naysayers saying, I see a lot of people in comments of videos calling him a running back on social media, calling him a running back again. That's really, I mean, I don't agree with that, but that's, that's, what, that's those are the doors you open up when you struggle. Um, I mean, he's, he doesn't look like the quarterback from last year, so I'm hoping he turns it around. I think he will turn it around this season. I mean, this game, the Titans have a very bad pass defense. They're 28th in yards per game through the air, and uh, they're 28th in passes, touchdown passes allowed through the air. So I think this is the game that Lamar Jackson turns his season around. And uh, they, can't, they can't get off the field. They're 31st on third down stop. So the Tennessee Titans defense is not good. Their offense is struggling. I think this is a bad, this is a bad combination for the, for the Titans. The only thing that, that gives the Titans hope is um, Derek Henry is a beast. And Arizona, uh, Baltimore's run defense has really been struggling. Uh, they've allowed 110 yards rushing in the last th- three out of the last four games. They let the Patriots run all over them last weekend. And Derrick Henry is the second leading rusher in the NFL, so if Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams don't play again, ooh, Derrick Henry might have a great game. He's probably going to have a good game regardless, but if Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams don't play, then it it could be a 200-yard game for Derek, for Derrick Henry. Uh last time they played, like I said in the playoffs, he ran for 195 yards. He was he was the main factor. He was the driving force behind the Titans upsetting the Ravens last year. If I'm the Ravens, I gotta I gotta get on I gotta get in the lead. I gotta put the the game in Tannehill's hands and I gotta get Derrick Henry out of the equation. Take a two touchdown lead and the game's done. If you let the if you let the Titans linger, then uh it could be a it could be a bad day for the Ravens. But I don't believe in the Titans. I'm starting to lose faith on Tannehill. I do believe in Derek Henry, so I don't think they'll lose that bad. But they're, I think the Ravens are gonna win. 30 21 is my prediction. Uh, they're the six points favorite, so I think they'll cover the spread. And uh, like I said, the only the only impressive win by the Titans is was to the Bills. And uh, and then after this, they play three teams that are that are uh, six and three. So they play the Colts and then they play the Browns next. After playing the the Ravens, and I don't think I don't think they're gonna fare too well against those teams. So I do have the Titans falling out of playoff contention. And then uh, the Ravens have the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Browns. So we'll see we'll see how they go they go into that Steelers game. If they lose this game and then they lose to the Steelers, the Ravens could fall out of playoff contention, but I don't think they'll lose this game. So my prediction for this game 30-21 Ravens. <clears throat> and the next game I wanted to talk about Packers versus Colts. This is one of the games that I'm really excited to watch this weekend. The 7-2 Packers will uh go against the 6-3 Colts. I do have the Colts beating the Packers. Um the Colts have the number one defense in the NFL. Uh, they're allowing 290.4 yards per game. Really impressive. Number one defense in the league. Uh, they're second against the pass, third against the run. Balance, they're, they're good against both facets of the of offense. And uh, if Rivers is efficient, if Rivers, if Rivers doesn't turn the ball over, their offense is good enough to get wins. It's good enough to put up points on the board with the stifling defense like they have. So if Rivers, I'm, I'm predicting Rivers is going to have zero turnovers, He's gonna have an efficient game. He's gonna get Nikhil, uh He's gonna get Heinz involved. He's gonna get his rookie Michael Pittman involved. And the Colts are the favorites. I thought honestly, I thought the Packers were gonna be favorites, but the Colts are two point favorites, and I think they'll cover the spread. I do think they're gonna beat the Packers twenty four to twenty. That's my prediction. Um, I'm predicting a clean game by Phillip Rivers. He's gonna target his running backs a lot in the passing game. There's gonna be a lot of quick throws. And Michael Pittman's gonna have another another big game. Um, They drafted him the early second round. He's he's looked good. T.Y. Hilton has had a terrible season. Um, He's dealing with too many injuries. It seems like he lost his step, and I think uh, his game style doesn't really fit Rivers uh, in this part of his career. Rivers kind of has a noodle arm right now. He he can't really push the ball down the field, and that's what T.Y. Hilton's known for. He's he's known for those 40-yard bombs, long touchdowns. He's not really like a hundred-yard catch season type of wide receiver he's more of a like 67 to 75 catches 1200, 1200 yards six or seven touchdown that's that's ty hilton and just Phillip rivers in this stage of his career he's not a quarterback that's going to push the ball down the field but he doesn't have to to beat the packers he could beat them with a dink and dunk game and he's really he's still really good at that he's still really good at reading defenses he's still really good at uh, moving the chains so if Phillip rivers if they keep him upright if he doesn't have turnovers I think the the Colts could beat the Packers twenty four to twenty is my prediction, but when you have when you have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is playing great, uh, you always have a chance. And uh, it looks like Allen has Lazard Lazard is going to be back for uh, this game. He's a game time decision, but they are saying that he's trending in the right direction. Devontae Adams tweaked his ankle last last week against Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's saying he's going to go. So if they get Lazard back, they have a chance just because now they have more weapons. Um, but the Packers kind of struggled against Jacksonville. Jackson ha- Jacksonville has been a terrible team since their week one victory against the Colts. They've looked bad. They had they have a backup quarterback. Even their starting quarterback, Minshew, hasn't been playing good, but now they have like a f- six-round quarterback starting, and the Packers barely beat them last week, and the Colts really impressed me in their victory against the Titans. That's why I have the Colts beating the Packers 24-20 is my prediction, but... Like I said, when you have Aaron Rodgers, when you have the bad man Aaron Rodgers, anything's possible. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers win. But I'll say that with the with the stifling, number one defense in the league, Philip Rivers looks like he's starting to play good again or decent. And uh, Michael Pittman is looking like a one of those wide receivers from this draft class that's pretty good. And Hines has been running the ball well. It, I feel like uh, the Colts are trending upwards and... They should get the victory. <clears throat> the last football game that I want to talk about was the, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Raiders. The Kansas City Chiefs come into the game 8-1. and one, They're second in the AFC. The Raiders come in at 6-3. and three, They're fifth in the AFC. The Raiders did beat the Kansas City Chiefs on week five. Um, and they took a victory lap. That was one of the big news this week. The Raiders took a victory lap. Uh, alongside Arrowhead after their week 5 victory of the Chiefs. They beat the Chiefs 40-32 and then uh, Andy Reid was actually super upset. He talked to the media, he said that that's not something you you do. He he looked pretty mad even just talking about it. And that was that was week 5. We're on week 11 now, so talking about it 5 6 weeks afterwards and still like looking infuriated. I know Andy Reid is mad. I know he wants to get this victory. I know the whole Chiefs team wants to get this victory. And for that reason, I kind of have this game being a blowout. My prediction is the Chiefs forty-four, Raiders twenty-three. The uh, Chiefs, the Chiefs are, are going to come out mad. Uh, I, the Raiders, they were feeling themselves. I don't blame them. Um, they haven't had a lot of good things go for them in the last couple years, and this is this is one of their best seasons, six and three. They beat the reigning champs. I get it. You're you're feeling yourself, and you take a victory lap around Arrowhead. What can you do? But if you do that, you got to be ready for the consequences. There's another. There was another game. There was another matchup coming up. So now now the Chiefs are going to Las Vegas. Now they're going to your brand-new stadium. Wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs do a victory lap around, uh, around Las Vegas if they beat the Raiders like I do predict them. So Andy Reid is one of the best coaches after a bye week. His record after a bye week is 24-5. and five. And he was pretty upset. Like, if you guys if you guys haven't seen the video, I suggest you guys look at the video. Andrew Reed talking about them doing the victory lap. He looked, he was red. He looked infuriated. So, big red. Big red. I think he's going to have the Chiefs ready. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be on a mission. I think the whole Kansas City offense is going to be on a mission. Their defense is going to be motivated because the, the Las Vegas Raiders put up a lot of points on them. It was one of their worst games as a defense. Um, but, yeah, I think the Chiefs, I know Andy Reid has some plays that he's saving for the playoffs. He's he's, in my opinion, he's the best offensive mind in the league. All these other offensive coaches have taken up under him, like McVay and Shanahan. Those are great. Court, those are great offensive minds too. But in my opinion, Andy Reid is still the best offensive mind in the NFL. And I know he has some plays saved up for for key situations, like in the playoffs or stuff like that. I do believe he's gonna bring out one of those plays for one or two or. Um, of those plays are going to come out this weekend he's gonna he's really going to try to one up the Raiders so don't be surprised if Andy Reid and the Chiefs do some crazy trick play or just like a, a wild play that you're like okay like that's that's impressive like I didn't see that coming and uh like I said 24 and 5 after a bye week the the Chiefs are one game back of the AFC lead the Steelers are still undefeated so I know the Chiefs want to get that bye they want to get that First place in the AFC, they want to rest in the first week of the playoffs. If you don't have to play, even better. So if the if the Chiefs lose to the Raiders, the Raiders will sweep the series. There'll be one game behind the Chiefs, and technically it'll be half a game because if they end up with the same record after the Raiders sweep them in the in the series for this year, then the Raiders are will take the will take the first place. So I know the Chiefs don't want that to happen. I doubt that's gonna happen. I don't have the Chiefs getting swept by the Raiders. I don't have Big Red losing to the to Chucky. And uh when the when the Raiders beat the Chiefs back in week five, Derek Carr Derek Carr had a monster game. Um he threw the ball down the field like he's never thrown it before. I don't think that's gonna happen again. He had multiple long touchdowns to Henry Ruggs and Agler. I don't think that's gonna happen again. Uh, Derek I don't believe in Derek Carr. I really don't. Uh that was a good game. I have I gave him props for it. Good game by Derek Card. He showed up versus Kansas City, but I don't believe it's going to happen again. I think the Chiefs are going to be motivated. They're going to be rested, and they're going to be focused, and they're going to be mad. They're going to be mad for that victory lap that the Raiders took at Arrowhead. And Chiefs 44, Raiders 23 is my prediction. Uh, I really don't give the Raiders too much of a chance. Uh, if, if they do have a chance to win, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. They're going to have to control the clock. Um, Jacobs has been playing great this last couple of weeks so they're going to have to run Jacob Jacobs try to keep that try to control the time of possession try to keep Mahomes on the sideline and uh, try to maybe get get a few plays down the field on play action uh, try to get rugs on a streak or something but I just don't see it I don't, I don't know I don't see them scoring multiple 40 plus yards touchdown I don't have Derek Carr out dueling Mahomes again doing it two times in one year that would be impressive. Derek, if Derek Carr does that, oh my God. He, he, I would give him so many props if Derek Carr outduels Mahomes again and leads the Raiders to a victory. That would be impressive, but I don't see that happening at all. Blowout, Chiefs 44, Raiders 23. If it's even bigger than this, this is what, nine, 21 point victory. I'm giving him the Chiefs. I would not be surprised if they if they win by more than 21. <clears throat> but lastly, uh, Let's move on to, uh, to the Premier League. Like I said, at the time of this recording, it's uh, November 21st. Saturday, November 21st. Manchester City versus Tottenham. Manchester City loses 2-0 to Tottenham. Masterclass performance by Jose Mourinho. The chosen one, the great one. A lot of people thought he was washed. People are saying he's not the coach he used to be. He put on a masterclass today against Pep. It was a great game. Um, Jose Mourinho knew what he wanted to do. He had a strategy, and his team executed it to perfection. Um, he got, he got uh, Manchester City on a counterattack twice, and uh, they never really let up. The team looked organized. They never got caught out of position. Uh, I think uh, Mourinho has installed a great system with Tottenham. They could, they're flexible. They could either score a lot of points, a lot of goals, like we saw against Manchester United, um, or they could set, they could sit back. They can invite the the off- the other offensive team into their box, into their half, and they're organized enough where they cover up the lanes, they cover up the the holes, and they're a solid back four, back six. And that's what they did today. They had their they had their back four, and then they had two holding midfielders dropping deep in between the center bags, in between the center back and the left bags and the right bags. It was just a masterful tactical game by Jose Mourinho. Like uh, the whole commentary, like throughout the game, the the commentary team was praising him. They were saying that Manchester City didn't couldn't find a way to break the defense. Like they like to give the ball out wide, bring it back, do touch and goes, touch and goes, and the way Mourinho set up his team, it was just impossible for Manchester City to break him down. And Pep Pep honestly looked like he didn't have a counter. To Pe- to Mourinho's setup, uh, I think uh, Manchester City is lacking in creativity. They're really missing their magician and Silva. I've said this before. He 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 was the magician. He was the one that made the strings move in Manchester City. Really underrated. I think he's the one that let everybody else shine on, with his movement, with his vision, with the way he plays. Now he's gone, and they're they're missing that player. In, in that midfield, in that offense. And they're also missing Agüero. Agüero is now 32 years old. He's getting up there in age. He keeps suffering from injuries. It seems like every single season he misses games. And he's their main goal scorer, and no one has really taken that taken the reins. No one has really stepped up and been that goal scorer that they need. And you see, you see City, they're struggling. They just extended Pep Guardiola this week too. Pep Guardiola to 2023 and this is their worst start since, uh, since the 2008-2009 season. 12 points from eight games for Manchester City. Ooh, It's looking rough for Manchester City. Ah, ah, they got to turn their season around. They got to find a way to score more goals. They have 10 goals in eight games. Is their lowest tally through eight games since the 06-07 season when they had six goals. Uh, they rely too much on Aguero when he's not scoring goals, when he's not in their lineup. It's very. They find it difficult to find goal scorers in their team, which is crazy because they have a lot of talent. Marez, Sterling, Gabriel Jesus. They have De Bruyne. They have so much talent. It's crazy that they're struggling to find goals. I think, uh, like again, that high back line that Pep Guardiola uses got exposed again. Um, two center backs moved up with Harry Kane and they left the hole right behind them. Cancelo didn't step up with them. Uh, nice through ball to son and then calm, cool finish to start the game off. And then after that, Tottenham was able to play their game to perfection. They had a one over lead. They sat back. They knew Manchester City had to go get the goal because they're, they're below them in the table and they were never able to break them down. They got them on another counterattack and, uh, <clears throat> Tottenham take first place in the Premier League. Um, they they only had 33 percent possession. They only had shoot two shots on target, but they got the victory, and that's all that matters. So masterful display of tactics by Jose Mourinho. Even even his sub Giovanni Lo Celso, he had been in the game for less than a minute, and he scored the second goal, clinched the game. <clears throat> Masterful masterful by Jose Mourinho. I've always liked him ever since he's been the coach for Real Madrid. Even before I, I liked him. I like how he's not a uh, he's kind of cooled it down a little bit in the recent years, but I like how I like his uh like his his demeanor. I like how he carries himself. He's he's uh he's pretty like out there. He's outlandish. <laughs> I remember when he when he slid on his knees when he was with Real Madrid. That was crazy. He's he's a he's a wild card. Jose Mourinho is a wild card and and I like that about him. His press conferences are always like entertaining. You always gotta tune in to his press conferences just to see what he's saying. But like I said, he's he's a great counter-attacking coach. They got two goals off the counterattack. They sat back, they filled up the holes, they filled up the lanes, and uh the top of the table. This is the first time that they finished a day as the top of the table since 2014. And this is a—we're nine games into the season, and the last time they were top of the table with nine games into a season, it was January 11, 1985. So Jose Mourinho was doing a great job with Tottenham. People thought he was done. People thought he was finished. But don't you ever count out the chosen one. Don't you ever count out the great one. He's won Champions Leagues. He's done it all over the world. He's done it in Portugal. He's done it in Italy. He's done it in Spain. He's done it in England. And now he he has Tottenham fans dreaming they might be able to win the title this year. It's been a crazy, crazy start of the Premier League season, and I would not be surprised if Tottenham wins it. My friend Matt did predict that. He said he predicted top four. He might have said finish. He might have said first place finish, but now it's looking like it's a real possibility. I would not be surprised if Tottenham wins the league. They're playing good. Jose Mourinho is on fire. It looks like he's enjoying himself being a coach again. There's a couple of times when he looked like he was not really having that much fun as a coach right now. He's smiling, and uh, it's great to see. Uh, and uh, Tottenham is very versatile. They could sit back, they could go after you, and uh, they look like they're very disciplined at this moment. so and they're selfless. I was seeing Sun run run back. I was seeing Kane run back, and uh, they look like a good team, especially with all the way all these teams have looked. Liverpool has a lot of injuries, city struggling. Chelsea, I mean, we'll see how they do. They, they look pretty good today, but we'll see. Long way to go in this Premier League season, but a- as of today, November 21st, they're going to finish the day as top of the table. So shout out Mourinho. Shout out Tottenham. <clears throat> but tomorrow's game. Tomorrow's game, uh, the two teams that could take first place, Liverpool versus Leicester. Leicester came in um, as the first-place team. Liverpool came in to this week as the third-place team. The the news surrounding Liverpool this whole season, it seems like, is injuries, injuries, and injuries. Uh, their back four is almost completely gone. It looks like just Robertson is going to play tomorrow. Gomez is out. It looks like he's out for the season. Van Dijk is out for the season. And Trent Alexander, he has a muscle injury. He's out too till December. Jordan Henderson's out. The captain, El Capi, he's done with the thigh injury. And uh, Salah tested positive for COVID, so they're they're going to be without Salah too. So that's Gomez, Van Dijk, Ale- Trent Alexander, the captain Jordan Henderson, and Mo Salah all not available. And you're playing the top of the table team, or coming into this week, they were at the top of the table Leicester City. And but good thing for Liverpool is they're playing at home, and they have not lost a home game, a league home game in three and a half years, 63 league games without losing without tasting defeat at Anfield impressive impressive streak um, it, it would be you would be hard pressed to find somebody that would bet against them after 63 games but they're currently tied with their previous record their previous record was 63 and they have 63 right now so they need one more victory or one more game without seeing defeat to beat the record but weirdly enough oddly enough it's the world has a crazy way of repeating itself the last time that they got to 63 games they lost to the foxes they lost to leicester city in 1980 so they play they play leicester this year leicester came in as the top of the table team they're in great form is it crazy to think that leicester is going to beat them and end the streak at 63 and history is going to repeat itself from 1980 but you know let me let me uh play devil's advocate and say why that could happen Liverpool although they were they were third third in the table coming into the weekend they have one clean sheet in their last 13 league games going back to last season so that's not good and now they lost both of their center backs they, tra- they lost Trent Alexander so 13 games without keeping a clean sheet they're the third score they're the third most scored team in the Premier League just behind West Brom and Leeds United and both of them are promoted recently promoted teams, and this is the best start from Leicester ever, even better than the season they won the Premier League. And James Vardy came in as the joint uh, goal scorer, leading goal scorer for the Premier League. So all of these reasons is why I will say that Leicester is gonna end Liverpool's streak of sixty three games unbeaten at home and beat them three to two tomorrow. I have I predict. A three-two victory by Leicester at Liverpool at Anfield, and Vardy's gonna score and he's gonna tie Terry Henry for the most consecutive games with an away goal, which will be five. So James Vardy is just gonna keep adding to his tally and uh, to his legacy. <clears throat> but honestly, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy. I don't think I'm really being a Liverpool hater or anything like that. They just have too many injuries, and Leicester's a quality team. You lose Gomez. You lose Van Dyke. You lose Trent Alexander. You don't have your captain. You don't have Mosala. I know they have depth. They're going to put in Jota. They're going to probably put in Shakiri. I think Fabinho should be back. Um, Thiago, I think Thiago's going to be back too. So put him in the midfield. They're going to put Matip, Matip, whatever his name, Matip in the back to pair up with Fabinho. Uh, they have depth. They have good players. I, I see that, but you're two starting center backs. Your all world, uh, right left back, right back. Your all world right back. Your two starting center backs. Your star of the team, uh, main goal scorer mosala and your captain. That's a lot to lose. And I know you got depth, and I believe in Jota. Hota might score tomorrow. Wouldn't be surprised if he scored. But Leicester's on fire. Fardy's on fire. They're the the top-of-the-table team. Hardest start ever. History repeats itself. They were the last team to break the record last time in 1980. I don't think I'm crazy to say Leicester 3, Liverpool 2 tomorrow. That's my prediction. And the last game I wanted to talk about for this weekend, match day 9 of the Premier League, Wolves versus Southampton. Wolves come in as the ninth team on the table. Southampton fourth. (coughs) Um, Wolves are just three points behind Southampton so if they win they'll tie them in points but Southampton came in on fire they have 16 points in eight games they're unbeaten in their last six games they have five wins one draw this is their best start to a season ever tying their 2014-2015 start and they beat Newcastle 2-0 last time we played last time they played before the international break Um, they won three straight games so you know Southampton's on fire. This is their best start ever. Good for them. Three straight wins. But uh, there's a lot of teams. There's there's also a lot of things pointing towards the Wolves having a chance. Um, the Wolves have only lost one time to Southampton in their last eight games. Four wins, three ties, and one loss. So they have history behind them. And for Southampton, they're without Ings. Daniel Ings. Is out with an injury. He won't be back for I think four or five more weeks, and that really hurts them. He's their main. He's their main goal scorer. He's what makes their offense go. He's a real threat. Daniel Ings. He's a very underrated striker. Um, I really like him. He's 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 just all around. He's a good he's a good player. Uh, I think he was with Liverpool and he didn't really shine too much with them, but he's a great player. I like him. He's a quality striker, and I think they're really gonna miss him. Uh, I think they've played one game without him and they won but i don't think that's sustainable he's really i, I really believe he was the cog that made them go and without him i think they're going to struggle wolves are known to have a good defense they're, they're uh, the second least conceded team in the premier league and uh they have a really good goalkeeper rio patricio had a great had a great outing with liverpool too during the international break he had a great game against france um I think the Wolves players had a good international break, too. Raul Jimenez scored twice in two games for Mexico. Uh, Neto scored his first goal for Portugal, becoming the first uh, person born in the 2000s to score with Liverpool. I mean, with uh, Portugal. So Wolves players are finding their form with their international teams. Daniel Ings is hurt. He's their main scoring threat. Uh, Their offense revolves around him. Wolves have one of the best defenses in the in the Premier League. real is on fire. Uh out of the last 8 games, Southampton have failed to beat have only beaten the Wolves one time. I think uh I think uh, I'm not crazy to think that the Wolves are going to squeak out the 1-0 victory. I'm not going to say more than 1-0 just because Wolves have been struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Um so 1-0 victory is my prediction for the Wolves. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. There's not going to be a lot of chances. Just like most Wolves games this season. If you guys have watched the Wolves games in contrast to other seasons, they have not been that fun. They have not been that back and forth. They have not been that fluid. We'll see if they turn that around. But it looks like uh, Wolves are kind of struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Southampton is without their main striker, without their offensive threat. So I think uh, that's going to hurt them too. So it's either, it's either going to be a 0-0 draw, to be honest, or a 1-0 victory for the Wolves, is my prediction. So I'm going to say 1-0 victory for the Wolves. It's going to be a close game. Keepers are not going to have a lot of action. And uh, the midfield is going to, I think the midfield, the Wolves have a better midfield too. Neves, uh, Den Docker, he shouldn't play because I think he picked up an injury with Belgium. But I think Wolves have enough to get the 1-0 victory and uh, move up the table, catch up to Southampton in points. And as far as the NBA, just quickly wanted to give you guys some news. Uh, the Lakers stole Montrezl Harrell from the Clippers. Two years, $19 million. They also signed Wesley Matthews on a free agent deal. And uh, Gordon Hayward signed a four-year, $120 million contract with the Hornets. Pair him up with, uh, with Melo and uh, their new rookie, the Bob Brother. But it's been, it's been a crazy offseason. Um, there's still more to come. I think Westbrook, we'll see where he goes. We'll see if Harden goes anywhere. Just crazy offseason. Uh Clay Thompson got hurt. Hope he gets better. He tore his Achilles. You hate to see players get injured. But this has been episode seventeen of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh we'll see. Tune into the games tomorrow. Tune into the games on Monday. Uh if you guys ha- if you guys need a guide to watch Watch the games tomorrow. Uh, Titans, Ravens, Packers, Colts, Kansas City versus Raiders. All should be great games. Um, And in the morning, Liverpool versus Leicester City. Another great game for first place in the Premier League. And on Monday, Wolves versus Southampton. Go Wolves. But yeah, episode 17 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.